Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Psalm. Book of Psalms, Psalm 96. Psalm 96. We'll read the first six verses. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful time that we can come together to worship your holy name. We thank you for the power of the cross where you have displayed, Father, your mighty power in the death, burial, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus who died for all who would believe that we might know eternal life. Come before your throne. Worship your holy name. Lord, may that which we do this day in spirit, in word, in thought, in song, be pleasing in your sight, a sweet-smelling savor before your throne. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Cindy and I have been uh, worshiping in this church this year. We'll, we'll, it will be 42 years. Now, we were very, very young when we started here. <laughs> but I think I was just thinking about that sitting in the back there. Like, most of you weren't born when we started here. That's okay. Um, and uh, during that time, um, the music worship here at Grace Church has changed a whole lot. When we first came, there was just a few of us, and um, someone would get up, there would be a piano and an organ, always had to have an organ, uh, not, not a keyboard, just a full-on thing, you know, and, and we would sing from green hymnals. Now, anybody remember the green hymnals? Two of you, three? Pastor Ed back there, and uh, someone would get up and they would beat out the time, you know, with the uh, with their hand. And if you had to sing to the time of the person leading the song, and Steve Manthorne, he did that a few times. He did a great job with it. Uh, somehow we get by without that today, but back in those days, that's what you did. And then a number of years later, it took us about 15 years or so, or maybe longer. Uh, someone brought a guitar to church. And they played it while we sang. And, and besides that, we started singing choruses instead of hymns. And some of the stuff was kind of really funky, you know. But we sang them, you know. It was a new thing to do. And some of them were pretty great, actually. And uh, a lot of them straight from the, from the Psalms. And then, some time after the guitars showed up, guess what? Someone brought the drums. And let me tell you, that was like a scandal in this church. I mean, could you have drums in church? and still worship God? Do Christians do drums? I thought they were for like rock stars and things like that. Well, we did drums and we're still doing drums and uh, music is changing all the time. And uh, we are now moving back a little bit, in case you haven't noticed, more into the hymns. Some of the young folks have discovered hymns and they're asking, where were these all my life? There's some great music here. We sung some of them today. Oh, worship the King. All glorious above. And some new hymns are being written that are marvelous and wonderful. We sang one this morning, Grace, Grace, Paid for My Sin. And glorious songs, new, old and new, are coming together. But music changes all the time. 20 years from now, um, some of you young people that are loving that kind of stuff that gets you moving a little bit, you know, are going to be saying, well, maybe 30 years from now or 40, you'll be saying, what are we singing this stuff now for? What happened to the good old stuff? And so it goes, you know. Music changes. But one thing that doesn't change is the Word of God and the principles that God's Word teaches us. And we're going to look at some of those today and hopefully allow God to, to in His Spirit to teach us and, and tune us to the music of His Word. Well, you know, people uh, all over the world universally love music. I mean, can you think of anybody in the world that doesn't like music? I suppose there are a few, but not cultures, you know. You go around the world, they're really different than what we enjoy here in the United States. But uh, all over the world and throughout history, people are almost compelled to express themselves through music. And in this country, of course, billions of dollars are spent every year on music. Most of it downloading iPods and what you, from the music store, iTunes and all that stuff. And... Uh, 
It's a pretty big part of our culture. Most of the music in the world today isn't about worshiping the Lord. It's just music. Some of it's pretty good, and some of it, well, we'll talk about that later. But uh, have you, uh, if some, those of you who um, have ever fallen in love, some of you just, that's kind of fresh and new to you. You know, and some of you have to look back a few years when you first fell in love. And you remember that experience. Uh, chances are you're going to associate some special songs with that time of courtship, that time of falling in love. And uh, I asked Cindy the other night, uh, you know, what, you know, remember our special song? And she said, yeah, the Moon River. And I said, oh, um, <laughs> I thought it was some enchanted evening, you know. But it turns out both, both all the above are true, you know. We had a lot of songs. But I liked some enchanted evening. I mean, how can you beat that? You may meet a stranger across the crowded room, and somehow you'll know, you'll know even then, that somehow you'll see her again and again. I mean, hey, it doesn't get better than that, you know. And that's the way it was. Of course, our crowded room was the little high school room in the corner of our church. But hey, I knew even then I'd see her again and again. And so music is such an incredible part of our lives and brings back incredible, amazing, wonderful memories. We want to be involved, everybody. I mean, Matthew and uh, Rebecca and I were at a Together for the Gospel conference in Louisville, Kentucky, a couple weeks ago. 7,000, mostly men, some women there, uh, worship uh, leaders and, uh, and pastors and leaders in churches. And uh, we sang a lot of songs, a lot of hymns and praise to the Lord. Much of it a cappella. If you've ever heard 7,000 guys singing a cappella, it's an amazing, moving experience. But what was really interesting about that was that there are a group of deaf and hearing impaired people up in front, and, and there is the leader leading them and, and signing for them, and they were into it. I, some could hear a little bit, I'm sure, and some could just feel the vibrations in their chests, you know, and they were windmilling all over the place, you know, making a joyful sign to the Lord. They had to be part of that music, and they felt it, and it was a joy just to watch those folks sing with their hands. They were into it. It was a great experience. And, you know, uh, music uh, uh, is so powerful in so many ways and that it even draws worship music, even draws unbelievers into, uh, into it. Um, maybe the greatest work that's ever been written apart from the scriptures um, and certainly the most performed musical uh, uh, work in all of history um, is sung every year by thousands of people in, in gymnasiums and auditoriums and in churches across the country. And they sing a chorus, come together all these people. They sing this, this incredible music. Uh, unbelievers eagerly joining with the children of God to, to experience uh, this particular music, this amazing, uh, moving, even transforming musical masterpiece. And most of you know by now I'm speaking of Handel's Messiah, and particularly the Hallelujah Chorus. Well, you know, George Frederick Handel um, wrote the entire Messiah Oratorio, um, almost three hours of music, and uh, 30 minutes of scripture text in just 24 days. Think about that. It's an amazing, amazing feat by any standard. One historian wrote about that experience that the, the composer, Handel, was in despair, struggling to earn a living in London. And he knew days when he, could he, he couldn't even afford the food to eat. And one night in 1741, depressed and defeated, he wandered the lonely streets of London. And it was almost dawn when he returned to his his shabby room. And on the table was a thick envelope. And in it was, uh, uh, were notes from Charles Jennings, a man who, who wrote his librettos or his musical texts. And then looking through them, uh, he found them covered with scripture. But he was so tired, so, so down, he, he just threw them on the desk and crawled inside his bed. But as the night wore on, he couldn't sleep. And the scriptures kept rolling through his, his head. And he kept hearing the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And for unto us a child is born. And glory to God in the highest. And hallelujah, hallelujah. So he couldn't sleep any longer. And he crawled out of bed and he went to his piano. And suddenly the, the music began to flow from his heart. This rich, majestic 
triumphant music, and he began to write. And day and night, for three weeks and a little bit more, he wrote fervently. And he forgot sleep, and he forgot food and rest, and he refused to see anybody. And at last, on the day his work was finished, one of his friends managed to gain entrance into his room. And the composer was sitting at his piano. He must have looked like a madman. And sheets of music were strewn all around him, and tears were, were, were streaming down his cheeks after three weeks. And he turned to his friend, and he said, I do believe I have seen all of heaven before me and the great God himself. And the music was performed. By the way, uh, no one has seen God at any time, <laughs> but he saw, got a glimpse of God's glory through this musical experience. And it was performed some months later in Dublin, and uh, the, the audience was stunned by the music, overwhelmed, just as people who hear it for the first time could hardly believe what they're hearing. Is this a glimpse of the glory of God? The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. King of kings and Lord of lords, King of kings and Lord of lords. You can hear it singing in your head, can't you? King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, the Lord has granted to us a great privilege of hearing music that draws us into his presence. And I would pray that that's what happens every time that we come together at Grace Church to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, that we'd be drawn into his presence and worship his holy name. And so I want to share with you just three things this morning, three big picture things. Number one, the word of God commands us to worship, the command of music worship. And by the way, I'm going to be speaking about music worship. I'm not going to just say worship and expect you to think it's music because we worship in a lot of ways in our words and in our prayers and our fellowship and reading of God's word. And we worship in music. And I'm not just going to refer to music because not all music is, is, is worship. Some music is decidedly not. But God calls us in a powerful way to come before him and he commands us to worship him in music. It isn't optional for the believer. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Sing, sing praise to the Lord. Psalm 90, verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Declare among the peoples his deeds. And there's many, many, many verses that tell us that we are to sing before the Lord. God commands us as his people to worship. It's not just a good idea here at Grace Church or any other church. Let's tack on some music. You know, let's, let's make the music so more people will come, so you'll kind of relax and maybe people will feel good. Or maybe they'll like our church more if they have good music. You know, let's, let's just entertain the people and hope they like it. In fact, let's try to get some music here that everybody's going to like. <laughs> wow, impossible thing, but no, that's not what music is for in the church. Music is our response to God's command to worship Him with the whole heart and all of our being. God commands us to worship. If we are God's people, we can't help but sing. Now, not everybody sings on key every time. Not all of us are gifted, myself included. You know. Well, by the way, when we get to heaven, we'll all have perfect pitch, but for now, but we can sing when we're alone. How about in our car? No one can hear, huh? We can sing in our hearts. And if, the, if it's loud enough in church, we can belt it out. And who knows? We can sing to the Lord. Isn't that great? The command of Scripture is that we sing. I want to share with you some uh, purpose of worship in music and then look at some principles of worship. But let me just give you uh, a few of the things that are not exhaustive that the Word of God tells us and that we can surmise about the purpose of, of worship. The first thing I just want to reflect, I've already kind of got into a little bit, is that music captures our souls and our senses in a way that words alone just can't do. Music captures our souls and our senses. It enhances our senses, helping us to bring our whole being into the act of worship like our sense of smell enhances our sense of taste. Only music does it a whole lot better than worship than a little bit of curry power or salt or Tabasco does on our food. Music reaches the very depths of our spirits and expresses the deepest needs and emotions of our souls. When we sing, How Great Thou Art, we, we sing, Then sings my 
soul, my Savior God to thee. Our souls expressed in music, and you can just let it out. And God speaks into our souls through music, and we speak back to Him through music, and the Spirit ministers to us through music in ways that words alone can ever do. Music enables us to more fully respond to God's great command that we love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all of our strength. How do you do that with every fiber of our being? We must worship God and love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, and we do that fully through music. So music captures our hearts, captures our souls in ways that words can never do. Second, music ministers to us even as we worship the Lord. Music comes back to us and ministers to our hearts, strengthens us and comforts us and nurtures us and teaches us and calms our restless hearts, brings us before his throne in powerful ways. And so we sing, uh, Be still, my soul, the Lord is on my side. Lord, calm my heart as I sing before you, that I might, even as you hear my voice, I might hear your voice in ways that you and you alone can speak to me through music. When you come to church, are we just looking to see, uh, you know, is the next song one I like? You know? Or are we saying, God, speak to me through this music even as I speak to you? Thirdly, worship music is a foretaste of heavenly worship. you believe that? I do. I think there's no doubt about it. The choirs in heaven are going to be amazing. Myriads and myriads of angels are going to be singing. I have no doubt about that. And we're all going to be singing along with them with new bodies and new voices. I can't wait. I've sung in choir here a few times. I'm kind of like um, on the B team, you know, on the bench. And if they're really hurting, then maybe I can sing occasionally. If someone who sings tenor sings in my ear, you guys, some of you know that for sure. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to sing glory to God in perfect pitch in whatever key that God would allow me to sing, all for his glory. So on this earth, I got to settle for something a little less, but it's a taste of heaven. It allows us to worship music, our Lord, in a way that is, I think, the closest we're going to get to heaven on this earth. I know that's true for me. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all music but his own. Awake, my soul, and sing of him who died for thee. Inhale him as thy matchless king through all eternity. I can't wait for that heavenly, heavenly anthems to hear that most beautiful, incredible singing. We find a little glimpse of that in Revelation. In chapter 5 and beginning in verse 8 it says, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb and each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And everyone on this earth who names the name of Christ will someday stand before him and fall before him and sing a new song that the Lord himself will give to us. Amen? Amen. Worship. Music is a foretaste of heaven. Fourthly, music worship encourages a right, atti- encourages a right attitude towards worship. Worship itself, music itself, encourages us before the Lord. Psalm 100 I think that's Pastor Mike's favorite song. I think he's told me that, favorite psalm. Certainly one of mine. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. The Lord calls us to come before him with a right heart, with a right attitude. When we sing, we are to sing joyfully. We are to worship the Lord with gladness. We are to shout for joy. I would just encourage us uh, that we ask God to give us that joy even as we sing, that we might fully worship Him. Fifthly, music uh, enables believers to come together in corporate worship in in ways that uh, other forms of worship just don't 
let us do. Now, we worship God, as I mentioned already, in offerings and reading the word and our words to one another. But we sing and we express our worship corporately, not just individually. There's something about music worship that uh, is so powerful when we come together as God's people to worship and to sing with one another to our Heavenly Father. The Lord Jesus, when he was with his disciples in that last supper, after they had uh, had a meal together and broken bread and drank the wine, the cup together, says that they went out. Remember what they did? And they sang a hymn together, corporately. Those 12 disciples and the Lord Jesus singing together a glorious time of worship. Sixthly, well, worship uh, music helps us remember words of music. You know, when we, when we uh, sing together, we learn new songs. And I don't know about you, but I find myself singing songs I didn't even know I knew during the week. The words come back. And maybe it's in the shower, maybe it's in the car, maybe it's working in the yard, but you find yourself singing words of praise. And maybe once in a while, hey, Cindy, you remember how that song goes? Yeah. And... Uh, we hear those beautiful words. Words of music help us remember. And some of our best memories as believers, the most glorious moments we've had as believers, have been in times of music worship. And I can't remember the words to a lot of sermons, but um, I can remember a lot of music that have happened in this church and in other places in my life. I remember sitting in, in a church one time when the choir came all around us and sang to us. What a glorious experience as I heard the choir sing in the circular uh, form around us. I remember, t- I remember times when um, I got to hear the Hallelujah Chorus in person. I remember the time I tried to sing it. Well, never mind. But what a glorious time. One of the sweetest memories that Cindy and I have um, in this church was about 20-some years ago when our youngest daughter, Rebecca, sang. She came to Charlie Ingle. Um, she was about five years old. And unbeknownst to us, she went to Charlie and said, Charlie, I'm going to sing a solo. Now, back in those days, we were a little more informal, okay? Just kind of laid, laid back. And one Sunday morning, Cindy and I were in church, and here comes little Rebecca, and she comes marching up, and she, she done, she's standing right here, this very spot in this church with that piano. And she's about this tall. She looked four, but she was five. And she began to sing with Charlie playing. And she sang, I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my buddhans down at your feet. And we're listening to this thinking, that's the most beautiful song I've ever heard. And I'm also thinking, what burdens do you have? (laughs) (laughs) What? You're five years old. What are you thinking? You know? Oh, am I going to get a cabbage patch doll for Christmas? (laughs) But she meant it with all of her heart. And there was hardly a dry eye that morning in that service as this little one led us into worship. And we've seen that so many times in this church. I love it when the children sing. Bring us into the very presence of the Lord. What great memories we have that God has given to us through music. Well, I'm going to share with you also some uh, principles of of music worship that we see in Scripture that uh, just help us to think about it and adjust our hearts and our attitudes and enjoy and enter into the joy of, of music. First is that music worship always focuses on the Lord, on the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Worship music is always directed to the Lord or about the Lord. It's never about us. We understand that. This is about our Savior, about our God, about the Spirit who dwells us and leads us into all truth. And so Psalm 95 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. So worship music is about God and about his attributes, about his love, about his greatness, about his glory, about his mighty works, which he has done for us. It's about our Savior who died in our place. What a glorious opportunity we have to worship him wholly and fully dimensionally as we come before him in music. Secondly, uh, worship music should be a source of encouragement to fellow believers. Always encouragement. 
We're to encourage one another, even as we sing to the Lord. Not only does God speak to us as we sing to Him, but we speak to one another, and we help one another come before the very presence of the Lord as we sing together. And we encourage one another. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. How? With psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so we admonish, we encourage, we strengthen one another through words of music. Uh, words of music should never tear one another down but you build one another up. Well, worship music also, thirdly, is um, usually led by skillful, skillful musicians in congregational worship. God intended it for it to be that way. God uh, uniquely gifted some people. You know, Billy is uniquely gifted. Charlie is uniquely gifted. Uh, our singers are unique, uniquely gifted. God has given them a special ability that they might come before us, our worship team, and lead us in music worship. I thank God for our music teams here. Uh, whether I love the song they're singing in the moment <laughs> or, or, hmm, I thank God for those who give so much of their time and use their giftedness for God's glory to help us all worship our Savior and our Lord more fully and more completely. And so we find in Scripture that people were in, in uh, uh, even back to the days of Moses, uh, led by those who were leaders of music. And certainly in the days of David, in Nehemiah chapter 12, and verse 46, it says, For in the days of David and Asaph, in ancient times, there were leaders of the singers, songs of praise and hymns of thanksgiving to God. So there were leaders that were appointed. In First Chronicles chapter 15, it says, Then David spoke to the chiefs of the Levites to appoint their relatives the singers with instruments of music, harps, lyres, loud-sounding cymbals, to raise sounds of joy. So the Levites, this is First Chronicles, I'm now in verse 17. So the Levites appointed Heman, the son of Joel, from his relatives, and Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and from the sons of Merari, their relatives, Ethan, the son of Cushiah. And then in verse, looking down at verse 22, you'll see it says, Chenaniah. The chief of the Levites was in charge of the singing. He gave instruction in singing because he was skillful. I thank God for those of you who are skillful and are appointed to lead us in music. What a gift to all of us. So it was from even those early days. And you notice that in particular, uh, Chenaniah, the chief of the Levites, uh, he was in charge of giving instruction, helping people to learn how to sing. By the way, do you know that people in uh, uh, churches... Uh, they grow up in church, generally learn how to sing. You can't help it, can you? Uh, in our general population, it's not that way so much. We are given a special gift of learning how to sing, and I thank God for those who teach us to sing. And when they lead us in worship, they're teaching us. And by the way, those three guys, uh, um, uh, Heman and Asaph and Ethan, um, those three guys that were appointed by David to lead in, in, in musical worship, um, they... Um, were the founders of the three Levitical musical uh, guilds. And Asaph, in particular, uh, wrote 12 of the Psalms. You might remember reading some of the Psalms. said the Psalm of Asaph. That's the guy. And uh, he wrote Psalm 50, and he wrote Psalms uh, 73 to 83. Uh, for instance, uh, Asaph wrote uh, Psalm 81. Uh, it, it's, it has a superscript or this sort of a header to it, and it says, For the choir director on Agitith, a psalm of Asaph. So here he's telling, here's a song, I want the choir director who's in charge. Now, and whenever you read this in, in centuries to come, here's a song for you to, to lead the choir. And it says, Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, strike this timbrel, the sweet sounding lyre in the harp. So music is to be led generally by music skillful music leaders. That doesn't mean in our homes and small groups anybody can lead, but in the worship time formally, it is by those who are appointed to lead. And by the way, the elders in this church appoint the music leaders in this church and approve them. And they're accountable to the elders within this church. Well, fourthly, uh, Scripture allows a great variety in worship music. Now, this is going to be good news to some and a big disappointment to others. We all have our preferred music, don't we? Can you imagine if Grace Church or any church tried to do music on Sunday mornings that made everybody happy? It's impossible. 
It's just, it's just impossible. We, we all like different kinds of music. God made us that way. The question isn't whether you're happy. The question is, is the Lord pleased with our attitude and our hearts towards music? And sometimes, I'm going to tell you, uh, there are songs that we've sung over the years here that it wasn't for me, okay? It just didn't ring my musical bell. You know? Uh, and I could name a few of them. I won't. <laughs> but uh, you know what? God has worked in my heart over the years. I- I'm not he- out here as the music reviewer for Grace Church. You know, two thumbs up. Mm, you know? No, I'm here to worship the God, our Lord, our God through music. And if I don't particularly get into that song on a given Sunday, I can ask God, Lord, you know, I know I'm not going to change the music, so I can ask the Lord, change my heart. That's our choice. <laughs> change the music or change your attitude. You know, I've asked God, Lord, change my attitude. Help me to worship you in every form of music that you give to me, give to us in this church. Help me to lean into it and help it to be a unifying thing in my life among the believers here and never that which is divisive. And the variety that we find in Scripture is amazing. A variety of content. Some songs are of praise. Some are thanksgiving, meditation, prayer in song, pleading before the Lord, supplication, attribution of God's great attributes. And we find all kinds of musical style described in Scripture. Do you know that? We find different rhythms, tempos, volumes. In fact, we just read from 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 16 um, that uh, the uh, appointment of the singers with instruments of music and harps and lyres, loud-sounding cymbals, raised the sounds of joy. This wasn't quiet stuff sometimes that went on. You'll hear more about this in a minute. Um, we find different kinds of participation throughout Scripture. We find lots of congregational singing. We find that it's intended, the whole book of Psalms, most of those are meant to be sung congregationally. We find choirs described. You're going to hear about that in a minute. We find solo, the solos of David. You know, he would go out in the hills with the sheep and he would sing these Psalms he was, as he was writing them. And he sang before Saul. We know that. He played the musical instruments. And we even find a duet in Scripture. Did you know that? If you can check it out later, uh, Judges chapter 5, you find Deborah and Barak. Uh, singing together uh, a psalm of praise. And we find especially variety in the psalms. Um, Worshipful singing is often accompanied by instrument. Not always, but often accompanied by instruments. In Psalm 57, um, in the psalms, excuse me, 57 are designated as a mizmor. A mizmor, what's that? Well, it's a song accompanied by instruments. For instance, Psalm 6 is a psalm of David, a mizmor. You can read the superscript or the header at the beginning of Psalm chapter 6. And it says, For the choir director with stringed instruments upon an eight-stringed lyre. Now, a lyre was a, was a little harpy-looking thing that you could hold in your hand. And uh, it's a technical term, harpy-looking thing. And uh, it had eight strings, and uh, it would be played kind of like a harp or maybe even an early type of guitar. And um, Psalm 150 is a good example. Uh, it says, praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals, in case you didn't get the loud part. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, it's too loud. It's just too loud. I hear that. Okay? I, you know, there's a couple solutions. Move to the back. You know, uh, um, wear earplugs. I'm not, you know, respectfully, you know, uh, joyfully. But um, there is a place for loud music. I'm not real big into loud music, but you know what? There was loud music in worship. Let's hear that. Um, another 29 uh, psalms are called sheer, are simply songs. Like Psalm 30 is it labeled a psalm, a song at the dedication of the house, a psalm of David. Of course, psalm means song. And Psalm 30 says, Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. This is a song of David that we can sing. Thirteen psalms are called miskil, are contemplative poems set to music. An example is Psalm 55. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide thyself from my supplication. As we sing the song or read the song, we reflect upon it. 
We ask God to speak to us and speak to our hearts. Give heed to me, it says, and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I'm surely distracted. Boy, isn't that how we are so much of the time? We come and we want to sing, and even while we're singing, we find our minds wandering and thinking about something else. Or maybe we just don't like the music. But this psalm says, No, Lord, uh, give ear to my prayer. Listen to what I'm praying even as I sing. We find many examples of that throughout scriptures, and some in our more modern music, our, our hymns. Um, Just as I am without one plea, thy blood, but that thy blood was shed for me. Are we saying, be still my soul? Are we saying, it is well with my soul? In the, uh, you know that chorus that uh, um, some of you are old enough to remember this one says, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, O glory. I'll fly away. Well, that comes right out of, uh, of, of this psalm, uh, verse 6, Psalm 55 and verse 6. It says, uh, And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I love it when hymns are put to music. One of the strongest memories that Cindy and I have from the, our, our, um, our youth was when we were in high school in our church group uh, together. And um, we would go visit the shut-ins and the elderly. And there was uh, a lady that I never knew outside of her, uh, uh, of her uh, being a shut-in. And she was 96 years old. We went to sing w- to her one time, to see her one time. And she was lying on her bed, the bed that she would never get out of. She was blind. She was d- almost deaf. She could barely hear. Uh, her hands were almost uh, translucent. And just skinny little things. And we would gather around her bed, these high school kids. We weren't sure what old people really were, you know. And were they safe to touch? <laughs> and we would reach out, and she would take our hand. And she would say, would you sing for me? And what do you want us to sing, Granny? I'll fly away. And the high school kids would sing, I'll fly away. Oh, glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Right out of Psalm 55. And she would just be transformed into the very presence of the Lord of these high school kids singing. She didn't care whether we were on key or off key. We were singing the word of God. She was blessed. And you know what? We were blessed all the more. Here I am, 45 years later, remembering that time of singing. Glorious singing before the Lord, worshiping him. Oh, there's a great variety, certainly within music. Um, other songs are exactly the opposite of these contemplative type songs. Um, in fact, they're, they're loud and they're wild and they're celebration psalms. Psalm 7 um, is labeled in that superscript you find above it, a Shagayan of David, which he sang to the Lord. And so you kind of wonder, well, what's a Shagayan? And you look it up and uh, you can find it in your dictionary uh, or your Bible dictionary or even a secular dictionary. And it, it says, a shagayan is a, a dithyrambic rhythm. Hmm, that doesn't help a whole lot. Look, dithyrambic up. Oh, a wild, passionate song. What does that mean? Well, it means wildly enthusiastic. Or it could also mean um, wildly irregular in form. So David loved music, we know, and David, whether we like it or not, loved wild music. Uh, I don't think he was the first Christian rock star. I'm not going there. But I do think that he could express himself in pretty powerful ways in his music. And he wasn't just sort of humming a little tune sometimes. He was belting it out for all he was worth with instruments all around him. And he, he sang shagayans. And sometimes it's okay. Now, okay, what's the limit? Look, if it hurts your ears, it's probably too loud. You know? Uh, if it does damage, it's probably too loud. But uh, again, let's be really careful how, what our attitude is towards music that we even maybe think is too loud. Um, verse 17 of that psalm says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So music can get pretty rambunctious at times. In your discussion questions for your small groups this week, by the way, there's a question here that says, what should be our attitude towards music styles and preferences we don't find lead us into worship? You know, what should be our attitude? and How should we deal with that? How can we lovingly communicate any concerns we might have about music? And how do we worship God even at times when we don't particularly care for music in church? I would really encourage you to think about that and pray about that and ask what would be pleasing before the Lord? 
One thing I know for sure is God doesn't want us to gossip about music or, or, or to mumble and grumble about music. I know that for sure. Amen? I know it's easy. I've done it. I'm guilty. God, forgive me. Let's forgive us. Let's come together and let it be unifying and never divisive. And that is the next point here, is that uh, not only is music wild, has a wild variety that we find in Scripture, but music should unite us, unite believers in the Lord. And um, uh, I just encourage you to, to, to hold that close. I'm not going to speak to that any further. Sixthly, uh, worship music is celebration worship. Celebration worship. Celebration of God's attributes. Celebration of God's faithfulness. Celebration of God's grace and, and mighty work. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. We find an incredible example of, of, of worship music of, and a worship event in the book of Nehemiah. It's the passage that's referred to uh, in your bulletin. Um, you recall that uh, Nehemiah uh, led a group of, uh, out of exile in Babylon uh, back into Jerusalem. And um, most of Judah had been in exile for uh, over 70 years. And by God's d- divine intervention with the Persian king Artaxerxes, Nehemiah had led this rem- remnant back to Jerusalem, only to find that the walls and the gates of the city were, were utterly destroyed. Very little of it left. And, the, and through Nehemiah's incredible leadership, his courage in the face of great obstacles, he, he leads the nation um, in rebuilding the walls and the gates. And he does it in an incredible 52 days. You can read all about it in the book of Nehemiah. Um, and when it's all done, they come together to worship the Lord. And there's a lot of people, by the way, back in Israel that had come before some years earlier under Zerubbabel. And um, they all come together um, to celebrate the completion of the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the gates. And they do it in two ways. The first is through worship in the Word. And all of our singing, all of our worship is to be grounded in the Word of God. And the Word of God prepares our hearts for music and prepares our hearts for musical worship. And in chapter 8, I won't take a lot of time with this, but in chapter 8 of Nehemiah, they open the book of the law for the first time in 70 years. Most of the people in that congregation that they built this big pulpit and Ezra stood out there and they were all around him, women and children and men and the priests were out there interpreting the scriptures and they read for six hours the scriptures that they, most of them never heard of their whole lives. And it says in verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people in this big wooden pulpit that they had made and when he opened it, all the people stood. Just like we here at Grace Church when we read scripture together, we stand. That's how they did it. And, and then it says in verse 6, Nehemiah chapter 8, Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. When we read the word of God, it's okay to say, Amen. And it says, While lifting up their hands, they bowed low and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. As they heard the word of God spoken. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Overcome with emotion, they heard the very word of God. And he prepared their hearts for celebration. Verse 12, And all the people went away to eat and to drink and to send portions and to celebrate a great festival because they understood the words which had been made known to them. And as their hearts were prepared, we come now to chapter 12 of Nehemiah. In chapter 12, beginning in verse 27, says, Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out all the Levites. You might want to turn to this passage if you're not there already. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27. They sought out all the Levites from all their places. Now keep in mind, the Levites were the tribe of Judah, the who, from where the priests came, they were appointed priests, and from also the worship leaders came from the tribe of of, of Levi to bring them to Jerusalem so they might celebrate the dedication with gladness with hymns of thanksgiving with songs to the accompaniment of cymbals and harps and lyres now think about it music was integral to worship and to celebration verse 28 so the sons of the singers were assembled from the district around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites thank you very much Netophathites 
And uh, then it says, from Beth, uh, Beth Gilgal, and from their fields of uh, Jeba, and from Asmaveth, for the singers had built themselves villages around Jerusalem. They were going to have the first music festival. And they came from all over Jerusalem, all over Israel. And they pitched tents all around the city. And I can imagine, there's no doubt about it, they practiced singing for days, maybe weeks, before the great celebration. Because the Chenaniahs, the music leaders, led them and taught them how to sing. And it says, And the priests and the Levites, verse 30, purified themselves, and they also purified the people and the gates and the walls. They prepared themselves spiritually for this musical events. And then Nehemiah says in verse 31, Then I had the leaders of Judah come up on the top of the wall, and I appointed two great choirs, the first proceeding to the right on the top of the wall towards the refuse gate. Hoshesiah and half of their leaders of Judah followed them, and it describes some of the participants. And they were undoubtedly in these choirs, hundreds and hundreds of singers packed on the top of this wall. And some of the sons of the priests with trumpets and Zechariah, the son of Jonathan. And it goes on and describes six generations since Asaph. The sixth generation down were now leading in worship. And his kinsmen, in verse 26, Hanai, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe went before them. And then it says in verse 37, At the fountain gate they went directly up the steps of the city of David by the stairway of the wall above the house of David to the water gate to the east. And so to the east or to the right, the first choir went, led uh, by Nehemiah. The second choir, verse 38, proceeded to the left. And while I followed, that is, Nehemiah followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower furnaces, the broad wall. And it goes on to describe all these various gates. And they stopped in verse 39 at the gate of the guard. Verse 40. Then the two choirs took their stand in the house of God, and so did I and half the officials with me, and the priests that names all these priests with trumpets in verse 41. And then it says, verse 42, and Maasiah and Shemaiah and Eliezer and Uzi and Jehohanan and Malchicha and Elam and Ezer. And then it says, and the singers sang with Jeroziah their leader. Now think about this. There were two great choirs. They've been practicing for weeks. One goes up on the right staircase around the wall of Jerusalem. The other goes up around the left. There are hundreds of them, and they're facing each other. And they began to sing to each other and sing to the Lord. I asked Billy, could we do like that? It's called antiphonal singing. Have you ever, you know, sung antiphonally, choirs singing to one another? It's an amazing experience. I got to do it once, and uh, you'll never forget it. I thought, maybe we could have the congregation, you know, like you guys over here turn and sing to these guys and these guys turn and sing. Well, we didn't quite have the courage to do that. Maybe someday we will. It's a great experience. But uh, uh, that's what these choirs were doing, singing to each other, antiphonal choirs. And uh, it's a great thing. It simply says the singers sang. In verse 43, And on that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. And even the women and children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. Now some commentators are saying, look, the women and children were part of the choir. They weren't left out. And it was the women's voices, the higher voices, that could be heard all over the land. Sopranos take heart. But as you come back to verse 42 and you see and it says on the singers saying, you've got to ask the question, what did they sing? What do you think they sang? I think they sang one of those psalms of Asaph. How about you? Or maybe a song of David. If I had to, you know, give my best guess, and that's all this is, but I would choose, uh, they sang probably a lot of them. They may have sang all the psalms. Probably did it for hours. But for sure, they must have sung the psalm of David found in 1 Chronicles 16. I'll leave you with this this morning. 1 Chronicles 16. If you'll turn there, please. Beginning in verse 7. 1 Chronicles 16. And it says, On that day David assigned Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord. And now the song begins. Oh, give thanks, verse 8, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. And so they start out the song by giving thanks to the Lord. Then they move into praise. Sing to him, verse 9. Sing praises to him. Speak of all of his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. 
can see these two great squires. This is set to music. I wish we had the music today. We got the words. We don't the music. But they were singing back and forth. Maybe one of the choirs saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon His name. Make known His deed. And the next choir saying, Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Glory in His holy name. And they sang these words back and forth as they praised the Lord. In verse 23 we find it declare, they declared His glory. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among the peoples. And then they sang of His majesty and His worthiness back and forth. Verse 25, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He also is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. And then the next choir would sing, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. And they gave God the glory due his name. And verses 28 and 29, which is also repeated in Psalm 29, says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in holy array. It was an amazing sight, wasn't it? Incredible thing. When we come together to worship, we come together to glorify our Lord, to point our hearts and the eyes of our hearts to him and to him alone. We encourage one another. We are testimony before the world with one another. We bring glory to his name and we ascribe to the Lord all the glory that he deserves we sang this morning oh worship the king it's a song I've told my kids you know uh, when I die I want this song at my memorial service if they have you know if the Lord hasn't returned and we've all been taken up with him this is one of my favorite hymns and that's why we sang it this morning because I <laughs> got to ask and Billy said okay oh worship the king all glorious above Oh, gratefully saying God's power and God's love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. Isn't that powerful and beautiful? Doesn't that draw you into the presence of the Lord? Oh, tell of God's might. Oh, sing of God's grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space, whose chariots of wrath the deep thunderclouds form, and dark is God's path on the wings of the storm. Frail children of dust, and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. That's what music is for, to worship our holy, our holy God, to draw us together, to transform us, to bring our whole being before him in worship. May that be true for Grace Church of Orange all the time. And may my heart and may my attitude not be, how do I change this music? Lord, how do you change my heart? How do I worship you holy with a whole heart? Amen? And the people said amen. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for these moments where we can look at your word and be reminded that uh, you've created us in your image. And you've given to us the gift of music, not just to make us happy, although it does. You've given us the gift of music to worship your holy name with all of our being, with all of our heart, and with all of our soul. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.